You know, there's some victories when we win them ourselves. We're barely dragging across the finish line. We feel like we reach the end and we're beaten and battered and bruised. But can I tell you tonight, when Jesus brings you the victory, it's not by a little bit. When Jesus brings you the victory, you're not fighting the battle so you don't get to the end beaten, bruised, and torn. When you run in the race for Jesus, you don't barely drag across the line saying, thank God it's over. You come across the line standing, shoulders thrown back, head held up, looking Jesus face to face at the end of days, walking on streets of gold in the very presence of God. That's sweet victory. That's not victory, to, to paraphrase, that's not victory like the world gives. That's a victory the world can't take away. That's a victory that brings you into something that you can only dream of right now. But one day when you reach it, we'll understand. We'll know even as we are known. I'm going to tell you my intent tonight is to get out of the way. Because I'm much in agreement with Brother Stanley. I believe there's something here tonight. Matter of fact, I even told Joni this morning before we come in, I, I feel like this morning was much needed. It was a good sermon. I, I went through a series of things out of Joshua. But I just feel like there's something God wants to do tonight. I feel like there's some things we need to understand and there's something that God wants to do. And I feel like for far too long we live far below our means in Jesus Christ. For far too long. Sometimes it's not a bad thing to have just enough, but sometimes we need a little bit more. And I believe we're in a season where we can handle and need just a little bit more. And the title for tonight is No More, Just Enough. No more, just enough. I'm tired of just enough tired of it let's stand and read Joshua 5 and 12 and then I'll explain a little bit of the title go through a couple of things and and I do believe God is going to move in some form or fashion tonight it said and the manna ceased on the morrow after they had eaten of the old corn of the land neither had the children of Israel manna anymore but they did eat of the fruit of the land of Canaan that year. Heavenly Father, help us see. Lord, that though times and things may change your provision, your protection, your truth, the presence of your Holy Spirit changes not. That Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. And if you've blessed abundantly in the past, you can bless abundantly now. You are sovereign. All things are within your power. All things are within your control. But God, I know the promises that you have made that you can do exceeding abundantly above all that we can think or ask. I know that you have promised good to your children. Lord, I pray that you would help us tonight see and understand that we don't have to live beneath our means within you. Lord, that we can have all the promises that you have given to us. Lord, that we can walk in the power of the Spirit 
that we can see signs following them that believe. Lord, that we still live in a day in an age of Pentecost where the power of the Holy Ghost is still evident and present in our services. Lord, that we can walk in the strength of You. We can walk in Your power. We can walk in Your grace. We can walk in Your mercy. Lord, bless us tonight, but Lord, also let what we do glorify and honor You. Lord, we thank You tonight in Jesus' precious and holy name. Amen. To backtrack just a little, and one, I want to say up front, don't misunderstand anything that I say tonight because I value yesterday. I value the past. And if you listen to a snippet of one sermon, you'll take that out of context and you'll think that I don't. I have a great appreciation for the music of yesterday. A couple of my favorites, page 110, everybody knows, Heaven's Jubilee. That song was written in 1939. That makes it about 84 years old right now. Another favorite is page 10, Meeting in the Air. It was written in 1925, 97, 98 years ago. And it still rings just as true today as it did then. Another favorite is Amazing Grace. There's not a person in here that was alive when that was written. Matter of fact, there's none of your grandparents or great-grandparents that was alive when it was written, I would be willing to bet. It was written in 1779. And it still rings true today. And I like those songs, but I also value the things of today. Now the reason I like those songs is because I grew up in the church of God of old. I know I'm just 48 years old, but when I grew up, I grew up in a church that really still worshipped like it was 1940, 1950, and those songs were still sung. So when I hear meeting in the air, it takes me back to a praise and worship leader at Montcalm Church of God that I love dearly. Matter of fact, I think she is absolutely one of the best. She sang with some of the best. She sang at quartet things and this and that and the other. And she's just a dear, precious saint of God. But when I hear meeting in the air, even today, and I love Brother Stanley and he does a fantastic job, but when I hear that song, I don't hear him singing it. It transports me back to something a little earlier in time. When I hear Amazing Grace, I don't hear Stanley singing it or whoever. I'll hear my, grandma, my great-grandmother singing it, standing beside me in church when I was eight years old. There's something about music that will transport you back. And it will remind you, it will be a memorial to you, kind of like these stones of Gilgal were. And the, the very purpose of those you can see in Joshua, which I've been preaching, I've told you, they're stones of memorial. They're where they crossed the Jordan River. But if you will read in Joshua, you will also see that God named it Gilgal because this is where I rolled away the stone of reproach of you out of Egypt. I value yesterday. But at some point, we have to understand the same things that we eat yesterday is not what we need to eat today. Now, I, I, I'm telling you that I don't know what it is. I don't know what it is fully that God has dropped into my spirit or, or planted into my spirit, however you want to word it. But I told Brother Stanley, it's like the sun. I believe it was Stanley I was talking to. It's like the sun on the horizon and you know it's coming up because you can see daybreak and you can see light start breaking over the edge of the horizon you can't see the sun you can't see everything clearly the trees are still just outlines and so forth and so on but you know that it's coming because it keeps rising and it
it keeps getting brighter and brighter. And I don't know what we're walking into. I don't know what it's going to look like entirely when we're done. But I know that a week and a half ago when I preached, all came to pass that something was dropped in my spirit that night. And God said we needed to march. And we've been marching, and tonight will be night six, and, and we're following what it said in Joshua. He said, march, don't speak, don't shout, don't do anything until I tell you. Well, he didn't tell him until the 13th time that they marched around, so we've got a few more times to go for that. They marched in silence, and they just went to camp. And we're going to do the same thing tonight, even after uh, the qu quarterly conference, after we finish Everything tonight, what we're going to do is we're going to march for time number six. And then after we march, we're going to depart to camp. God dropped that in my spirit. And then after that, I did a memorial of stones. And that's why you see these stones laying up here on the altar. Uh, I sent Brian and Wes out, I think it was, that morning, last Sunday morning, and had them get 12 stones from over on the property that we bought, that we had brought in. To where we could park over there and I had different people and I, I mentioned this morning that just like the people that I had different people come up of all shapes and sizes male and female young and old however you want to look at it so are all of those rocks different we've all come from different places in life even though every one of you may have grew up just even right side by side when you grow up your life is different People see one thing, but inside the house it can be entirely different and no one knows for sure what's going on and you all come from different backgrounds, but we're all here together now because we overcome, because we've come through one thing, we've went through wilderness, and now we're trying to follow Jesus Christ. That was from this morning, give me this, give me this mountain. But then I've also preached about a miracle in the making that didn't come out of Joshua, but it happened at Jericho. It was Bartimaeus, although Luke doesn't name him, but he was right there where Jesus would have been passing by, where the very first Passover happened when they come out of the wilderness. He was right there at the place where Jesus would have been passing by, actually as he was going to a Passover in that day and time, a miracle in the making. Brian spoke last uh, Wednesday night about a fire from the ashes. All of these are tying together, and tonight is... No more, just enough. And Wednesday, we're going to do all came to pass again. I'm going to preach the same message. And we're going to march seven times. But let me get to the scripture for tonight. Joshua 5 and 12, to give you a little bit of setting for this, and why I think it's so important to understand the setting, is understand that they had already come through the Red Sea. You Look, by the time I get done with these six messages, y'all ought to understand well, very well, about coming out of the Red Sea, through the wilderness, across the Jordan, and taking something new. Because every message is centered on that in some way or form. But the setting of this is they had come through that. And the spies had went into the land, and ten of them thought that they couldn't do it. And they were right. If they didn't have Jesus with them, if they didn't have God with them, they couldn't do it. All right. But then they come and they made it through. They crossed over the Jordan. They made the memorial of stones that they could come back to and tell the people. The purpose of them was so that they could come back. And when their children asked, what means these stones? It means that God delivered us out of Egypt. He brought us out of slavery. And it means that God touched us again a generation later and brought us through the Jordan River so that we could possess 
the land that was in front of us. That's where we're at today. We're at a, at a brink. We're at an edge of something where we can possess what is in front of us. Not just as a church, but I believe as individuals, we are at a place where we can possess what God has placed in front of us, that we can live in a time to where the things that we have prayed for day after day, year after year, can be within our grasp, and we can walk in the newness of the Spirit. We can have something new, not just being a new creature in Jesus Christ, but we can possess the newness that God has ahead for us. But can I tell you that we cannot rest on yesterday's blessings to have new in our life today. Sometimes we can't even do things the same way. Now I know that Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. I know that He is God and He changeth not. I know that there is only one way to heaven and that is by the blood of Jesus Christ that was shed on Calvary's cross. But can I tell you something tonight? I know that amazing grace speaks to me. I know that uh, heaven's jubilee speaks to me. A meeting in the air speaks to me. But can I tell you that if that's all that we do and if that's all that we die, on that generation that is out in the world today those that you are praying for to come into the house of God they've never heard it they don't understand that the music's different it doesn't make any sense to them they need to hear some goodness of God and I love that song too I've kept it in on repeat over and over and over multiple times because the goodness of God does just chase us down and and it overtakes us and I even preached about that but we have to understand the diet of today has to change from the diet of yesterday sometimes in other words the manna has to cease the manna has to cease at some point now I'm not saying we do away with heaven's jubilee my lord don't misunderstand what I'm saying I'm going to be mad if we don't sing that every once in a while why? Because it takes all people. It takes people that Heaven's Jubilee speaks to. We need that older generation. I've said it time and again. If we don't have someone in here that can train up the next generation and tell them about hardships and explain to them how to get through losing a spouse or, or God forbid, losing a child or whatever it may be or how to overcome different addictions or how to make it through the hard financial times by leaning on, on Jesus Christ, then we don't have anything. We have to have the older generation. But can I tell you, if we don't have the younger generation, if we don't have your children and grandchildren in here, it fades away. Can I tell you also that if you don't ever spiritually grow beyond manna, that you're lost in the wilderness. The manna was only there for them in the wilderness. It was not there for them when they were walking in the newness of what God had for them. It ceased. You have to grow and mature also. Manna, and let, let me give just a little education, and I've got a couple more verses, and I believe God wants to move. Manna is a difficult word. You've probably heard it called a hundred different things throughout your walk with Christ and your time in church. Exodus 16 and 15 says they called it manna because they didn't know what it was. The ESV words that they called it, what is it? Because they didn't know what it was. There are educated guesses as to what it was. But here's the reason nobody really knows the root of that word. Because it's just two letters in Hebrew. 
It's a, what we would call an M and an N. The original Hebrew didn't have vowels. But to understand a word, you had to have three letters. You cannot figure out the Hebrew root of a word without three root letters. But manna only has two. So we don't know exactly what it is. Exactly what Exodus says. What is it? And that's the most logical definition that I've heard. But there's some educated guesses, and they're all true. One says that it means it's an allotment. Well, that's what manna was. It was an allotment for that particular day. And if you tried to get extra, it didn't last you. Unless it was on Friday because Saturday was the Sabbath and then you'd have enough for two days. There are some that think it means to divide or measure. That is also very accurate because you got a, a measure for the size of your family that carried you through that day. There are some that say it means dew. That is also true. Why? Because it came. The dew fell and then the manna was on the dew when they got up in the morning. So yes, it is also a dew that fell every night, which is a miracle in and of itself. Do you get up every morning and every night the temperature has fell to just the right point with just the right humidity in the air for dew to be on the grass? No. You get up some mornings and it's not gotten cold enough and the air saturated enough to put dew on the ground, but for dew to fall consistently every day for 40 years? It's little miracles like that that we just skip over and don't even think about in the Bible. But that in and of itself was a miracle, not just the manna, but that the weather and the temperature was just perfect every night for dew to fall from heaven so that they would have manna the next morning. Someone else puts it as a gift from God for which one has neither toiled nor striven. That is absolutely true. Manna was a gift from God in a place where they couldn't find food for that many people and it was just there every morning and they didn't have to, they didn't have to work for it. They didn't have to strive for it because they just walked out of their tent and they gathered what they needed every morning. So it was all of those things. It was an allotment. It was a measurement. It was dew that fell from heaven and it was a gift from God that they didn't have to work for. But can I tell you what else manna is? It's just enough. If you keep eating manna, it is just enough. And I'm going to skip every note I have and go right to the end. I'm tired of just enough. I'm tired of just enough people to hold service. I'm tired of just enough finances to keep functioning like we function. I'm tired of just enough salvations to make it look halfway decent on paper. I'm tired of just enough hope today to carry me through to a prayer in the morning. See, it ain't all about numbers. It ain't all about people. It's also all about us. I'm tired of just enough faith to get me through to the next moment to build a little bit more faith. And let's face it, that's how we've lived for year after year after year, is just enough. We act like we serve a God that can't bless us, that can't pour out abundantly. We act like we have to continue on just enough. We act like we have to go out today to gather the manna so that we can make it to tomorrow to gather more manna. We don't walk in an abundance that God has promised that we can live in. 
Now, I am by no means a prosperity preacher. You don't have to give me a dollar to get a hundred. That's not biblical in any form or fashion. Peter Popoff can try to sell his miracle water all day long, and all you're doing is making him rich. I'm not a prosperity preacher. Now, when I'm talking about the abundant blessings of God, I'm talking about enough hope that if I feel like I'm dead and dried up tomorrow because I can't get a prayer through the ceiling, that I've got enough hope from last week to carry me through for a year. If I don't even hear the voice of God for a year, that I'm okay. I might go three and a half years like Elijah. He felt like he was the only one that was even serving God. And, but I want enough hope. I'm tired of living on manna. I want enough hope to carry me through that I don't end up in a cave wishing that I would end up dead because there's no one else serving God. I want enough faith that when I walk into a hospital room that I don't even have to worry about asking the person if they believe because I've got enough faith that I believe myself that God will move on them and change their life forever because that's what the New Testament tells me. If any among you are sick, bring them and let the elders lay hands on them. It doesn't say anything about their faith. Matter of fact, I don't know that the guy in Mark had faith. I, I would assume he did, but I don't know. But I know his four friends did, and they brung him and tore the roof off and lowered him down. And he was healed because of the faith of someone else. I don't want enough faith faith for me to get me through today I want enough faith in me that will carry me through that will impact other people's lives I want to see more than just enough I'm tired of just enough I'm tired of people living like God can't move and God can't pour out that God has already delivered in this church we need to understand that there was a prophecy spoken here when Michael Ball came about two years ago he he stood right in this pulpit and he said these words, God is going to enlarge your territory. I don't know if you remember, but I do because I hadn't told him what I'd been praying. I didn't tell him what I'd been praying. But what he spoke was the exact words that I'd been praying every day. When I would pull into the parking lot, I would pray, God, enlarge our territory. Give us this land. Every morning, when I didn't come down to the church, when I was working from the office at the house, I would say, God, enlarge our territory. Give us the land. Every morning I would pray that. And then Michael comes in and I hadn't told him a word of it and he said, God's going to enlarge your territory. It was just a couple of months after that that my phone rang. And then all of a sudden, that property become available that would never be available. That property that was marched around by people before I ever walked into this church. They marched and marched and marched until they told them, quit marching on our property. But guess what? The walls fell down. And God enlarged our territory just as the prophecy was spoken by the man of God here. But I, that, that's just enough. Because right now what we've got is property to park on. Why? Because we live just enough. We pray just enough. We look for just enough. We want to pay off the land. No, I've quit praying to pay off the land. I've quit worrying about paying it off. Why? Because I know God's going to do it. He didn't give it to us for no reason. He didn't give it to us to use for a parking lot. He didn't give it to us to have green grass growing beside the church. He gave it to us so that we could live in a time of no more just enough. He gave it to us so that we could start seeing children and grandchildren be saved in the name of the Lord Jesus. He gave it to us so that we could 
have something new that we could quit eating on the manna of today and we could walk into a new land and we could eat the corn of that land. One more thing and I'm shutting up. Manna could not be reproduced. Did you know you could not reproduce manna? You could not reproduce manna. But what God said, what Jesus said is go make disciples. Multiply. You can't multiply manna. He said they went into the new land and they ate the corn of that land then. As soon as they walked into it. You want me to tell you how corn reproduces? You put one kernel in the ground. And it will produce a stalk that will have two to four ears on it. So we'll average it at three years. Each year will have an average of 800 kernels on it. That's 2,400 kernels from one grain. You plant one grain this year, you get 2,400. Then next year, you plant 2,400. You know what you end up with? Over 5,760,000 kernels of corn. Within two years from one grain. You see, yesterday, and I don't mean this disrespectfully at all, yesterday is not reproduced. Look. I mean, we've got a good church. We've got a strong church. But I shared the numbers from 1989 all the way up until COVID started, we stayed flat. The numbers stayed relatively flat. Manna does not reproduce. Why? Because it's the fruit of yesterday. It's the food of yesterday. But you know what does reproduce? The, the fruit of the land that we're on now. The fruit of the land that we're on now should reproduce. I'm tired of just enough. And I believe God does not desire us to have just enough. How do I know? Because He tells us. Now unto him that is able to do exceeding abundantly above all that we ask or think, not according to us, but according to the power that worketh in us. Tonight, I've got a very simple point. You need to be tired of just enough. You need to be tired of just enough prayers to protect your child. You need to start looking for them to come to Jesus Christ. Okay, and, and look, you can pray protection for them too. That's wise and sensible. But you need to start expecting and praying as if God is going to do more than just protect them today to give them another chance tomorrow. Quit praying for enough money to cover your light bill this month. And pray that God would open the windows of heaven as His Word promises. Not so that you can be wealthy. Not so that you can get $100 back for a dollar investment, but so that God can be glorified and so that you can have one more stress eliminated from your life because God kept His promise that if you will sow into the kingdom of God, that He will open up the windows of heaven and pour out a blessing on you that you are not able to contain. Quit praying that we have a good service today. And I'm guilty. Look, I, I'm not pointing fingers... If I am, I'm pointing them at me too. Quit praying that we'll have a good service today, that we'll encounter Jesus today. 
God, pour out your blessings on this church from now until you come back. God, bless us with more people. Bless us with more souls. Give us a drummer. Give us someone that can play guitar every single song. A lead and a rhythm, not just an acoustic. I'm talking a full band. Why? Because I'm tired of just enough. God can pour out more than enough. He is not a God of just enough. You know why they had just enough in the desert? Because they were stiff-necked. Because they were obstinate. Because they threw gold into a furnace and lied and said it come out as a bowl. They had just enough because they did not follow God. It was God's provision to keep them from dying. But if you are following the Lord Jesus Christ and you are walking after what He has for you, He is not a God of just enough. He is a God of more than enough. He is a God that will pour out His blessings. He is a God that will hold His promises. He is a God that will surprise you in ways that you don't even understand. He is a God that will uphold you. He is a God that will protect you. He is a God that will carry you through the fire like him three little Hebrew boys. He's a God that will shut the lion's mouth like he did for Daniel. He is a God that when you step out of the boat, that you can be like Peter and you can walk right on top of the water just like your Savior Jesus Christ did. He is a God that loves you so much and will provide for you in ways just like he did for the family of Lazarus even though you think it's dead and stink and too far gone that he can just step to the edge of something and say Lazarus come forth that he can raise back to life. He is the God that loves you so much that he will be just like he was with Peter's mother-in-law that he walked in and touched her and her fever faded away. Just like he was the God for Bartimaeus that was crying at the edge of Jericho. Oh Lord son of David have mercy on me. And when they told him to shut up. He said, I ain't going to shut up. I ain't going to sit down. I'm going to stand up and I'm going to cry all the more. Oh, Jesus, Son of David, have mercy on me. When we will cry these things out, we will understand and we will walk in a place of newness. We will quit walking on manna. We will start feasting of the fruit of the land and we will understand that we can serve a God of more than enough instead of a God of just enough. The altar call this evening is just exactly this simple. You can come pray if you want to, but here's what I'm going to encourage you to do. Come and praise. Come and praise. You think they didn't have praise in their heart when they finally had something different to eat after 40 years? I bet they was doing all kinds of hoopla. Modern Pentecost probably ain't got nothing on how they acted. If you don't know Jesus, you need to come pray. First, I mean, that's just the basics. If you have not submitted your life to Jesus Christ, you need to come pray. Then you can praise. But what I would ask you to do tonight is simply that. Come and praise. What are you praising Him for? Not for yesterday. Not for what He's already done. Not even for His promises. Praise Him for what He's already going to do tomorrow. And why do I say already? Because tomorrow's already written for Him. Tomorrow's already history for the Lord. Five years from now is already history for the Lord. Seven years, 70 years, it's already history for Jesus Christ. Come 
and praise. Praise Him that He is a God of more than enough and for what He's getting ready to do in our lives and in our church. The altars are open.